Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans. Welcome to the We Can't Wrestle podcast on Podbean. This is Nate, and Kyle is here with me this week. Kyle, my man, what is going down? What a fucking day it's been. Yeah, some more sad news in professional wrestling. The um, This morning, it was reported the passing of Jim the Anvil Neidhart, who, for anybody that grew up in the era that we did, whether it be 80s or 90s or both, a very, um, a very, I always, I always thought that that, like, when I was a kid, I mean, I was always, a, I was a Bret Hart fan once he went singles, but to me, to be, to be perfectly honest, when, when the Hart Foundation, the original Hart Foundation in the 80s and the early 90s, Jim Neidhart was actually my favorite part of the team as a kid. Like, yeah. I, I was a total Jim Neidhart mark when I was a kid. He's the kind of guy that had he been... In this in the business, twenty years beforehand, he would have been the biggest fucking thing. Well, and I think also, I think he would have had a very successful. I mean, maybe not main event career, but like intercontinental title level career. If it wouldn't have been for the fact that he was he, I mean, he just hard living, you know. I mean, yeah, drug problems and stuff like that, and. I remember, I, I know the story about how Vince McMahon spent a lot of money bailing Jim Neidhart out of jail and, and taking care of his debts and stuff like that. And that's one of the reasons why he wasn't necessarily on the on Vince's good list all the time, I guess. It's, you know, Vince is like, you know, because out of respect for you and out of respect for Stu and your family, I'm going to take care of these problems you have. But, and I, and I don't think he ever paid Vince back, which is one of the things, you know, like Ric Flair, Ric Flair always says, Vince McMahon bailed me out of a bunch of shit, but I always paid him back. You know, right. that, Jim Neidhart didn't do that. So that kind of hurt. I think that hurt his, his upward mobility more than anything else was just, his demons, because the guy was talented. He was super charismatic. He had a great look, um, and like I said, very entertaining. Go for people who don't truly get it. Go back and watch the Canadian Stampede and watch his, you know, his promos and stuff. I mean, it, it was there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I or, mean, or when or or when him and Brett were just the Heart Foundation tag team, and they would do those. Well, 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 calm down, Jim. Those promos, you know, the they they played very well off of each other, and and they're they're most doubtedly top. They're they're most definitely one of the top ten tag teams of all time. And then, like you said, the Hart Foundation, which 
I was reflecting on today. It's kind of sad. Brett's the only one of the Hart Foundation left. You know, that's the that's the sad part about it is that eventually one of these days, Nate, we're gonna fucking turn on a pay per view and there's gonna be nobody left alive yeah. in any of the shows, and it's. <sighs> I don't know. It's fucking. It's crazy, and it happens to every generation. But I think for our generation, it happens. It happens earlier because these guys. I mean, their hard lifestyles and stuff from the eighties and and early nineties. They don't have the lifespan, you know. Like you know, Bruno and and Fez and all those guys all live to be in their eighties and nineties, and but. Well, I guess Bruno was in his 70s. But still, I mean, you know, these these guys, 63, 63, that's, that's, that's still, to me, counts as gone before your time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I guess, to me, it's it's one of those things that, you know... Thank God it wasn't something bad. Mm. I didn't even know until I read today that he had Alzheimer's. Yeah. I had no idea that that, that he had that disease. I did not know that at all. Unfortunately, um, I think you're going to see a lot of that coming up. Well, yeah, and I mean, again, it goes back to the lifestyle. It goes back to the drugs and everything, you know? I mean, it it, it, it just like Eddie, you know, it rattles your brain, it rattles your heart. The lifestyle that they lived does so much damage that even when they do clean up their act, it's too late. They've already damaged their bodies too much, and it's really sad. Yeah. You know, especially when, like I said, I mean, fuck, Luthez wrestled in, like, his 70s. He was in his 70s. Still, I mean, he wasn't wrestling full-time or anything, but he was doing matches in Japan in his 70s because he took, you know, he took care of himself. He didn't, I don't know. I mean, I... That's that's going to be, I think, for the future, one of the good things about the way that wrestling is today is that stuff isn't as rampant in wrestling today. This generation, the Seth Rollins, the Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, Bray Wyatt even, to a certain extent, these guys... These guys are going to have, I think, a longer. They're going to have longer, more productive careers, and they're going to have they're going to have a longer life, a longer, more quality life. Yeah, uh, especially with, I mean, all the things WWE does now to prevent concussions. That's going to do. That's going to be huge. The well, people, I don't need to see anybody else take a hair shot to the head. Right. I don't need to see. You know. Right. And I mean the, the wellness policy. People can joke about what they want, and people can can say what they want about the wellness policy just being WWE covering its ass. But I promise you, I, I could almost guarantee you that wellness policy probably saves lives and careers every day. Yeah. Well, and the thing about it is, like, okay, look, you know, people, as you said, say what they want to say about the wellness policy, but it's like. You know, the big one is is pot. It's marijuana. And it's like, for Christ's sakes, it's almost fucking legalized to begin with. Entire country, goddamn. Right. Like, it's not, you know... I mean, we could get into a whole nother fucking discussion about that. The fact that, you know, the war on drugs goes mainly after pot and not, you know... 
God forbid the fucking heroin and every goddamn other thing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like I said, that's yeah. We could get it on a whole nother fucking diatribe or whatever with that. So. So what is but, um, what is your, well, and then we'll move on from Mister Nightheart. But what is your favorite Jim Nightheart match promo stuff? Just in general, favorite Jim Nightheart stuff. The favorite, my favorite Jim Hart, Jim Nightheart stuff was when, when Owen and Brett were, fit, were for fighting, like at SummerSlam, uh-huh. and he's sitting in the fucking crowd. Fucking agging on the fucking Hart family, <laughs> stroking his beard, wearing those yeah. wearing those god awful pants. Oh, those oh. pants! Those pants were hideous. Oh yeah, when when Davy Boy came back with his Bret Hart haircut, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I want to look like Bret, you know. Um, I think although although I love the Hart Foundation, the the heel Hart Foundation from '97. I really do think my favorite Jim Neidhart stuff was um, uh, obviously his his team with Brett, the Hart Foundation, and um, <clears throat> I cannot remember when the match was or what it's on. I think it's on either the Hart Dynasty family DVD or it may be on the Bret Hart DVD that they released in 06. But on one of those DVDs, there is a... Heart Foundation versus Brain Brainbusters match, and it is one of the best tag team matches I've ever seen. You got Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, Arn Anderson, and Tully Blanchard, and it is fantastic. That's my favorite Jim Neidhart match. Um, and I have to give mad props because I was I was also back in like late ninety one, early ninety two. I was a mark for the new foundation that he had with Owen Hart too. Yeah. It- that was something that was kind of fun to see, you know, mm-hmm. because it wasn't them trying to copy what the Hart Foundation was. Like they changed their fucking outfits. They, you know, they went from the pink and black to more like pajamas. Checker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much pajamas. You know, the the one thing I remember <laughs> about fucking Jim Neidhart was, I think it was was it WCW Thunder for the PlayStation. But he's in that or he's in Nitro, one of the two. I don't mm-hmm. know. But go, fans, go back and fucking look these up on YouTube. It's hilarious. Every single wrestler had a taunt. And he started his off by laughing. <laughs> and it was the fucking greatest thing because we had, for hours, we would sit there and be like, hey, Jim, why'd the chicken cross the road to get to the other side? Then you'd hit it and you'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> It's just, I don't know. Like I said, it. That's funny. <laughs> but, yeah. rest peace, Anvil. Yes. Thank you for the memories. Well, now that, yes, definitely. Rest in peace, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. And um, for those of us that are. That are that have our memories steeped in the 1990s. Here's to hoping Bret Hart lives a really long time. God, yeah. Well, and you know what? That dude's fucking resilient, man. He's had he's had a concussion. He's had strokes. He's, <laughs> strokes. He's had cancer. Yeah. He's a tough son of a bitch. Is that uh, Bret the Hitman Hart? Um, I haven't. Uh, I haven't actually seen the show. 
Just got a alert here. Oh, apparently Dean Ambrose returned tonight on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to bring that up because um, you know we'll we'll get into that because we're going to be covering SummerSlam our predictions and I, I got a feeling about Mr. Dean Ambrose. I've been watching wrestling an awful long fucking time, Nate. <laughs> I, I think I know where you're going, and I think the same thing. But we'll yeah. get to that. We'll get to that. Yep. Yep. So, yes, we're going to talk about SummerSlam, which is coming up this Sunday, August 18th, on the WWE Network and our predictions for that show. Uh, first up, we've got Roos. Oh, shit. Oh, what's that? Um, I just got a fucking tweet from Toots Mont. Oh, a Toots tweet. Yeah. It says, uh, apparently New Japan Pro Wrestling is starting to book in the United States. Do I need to remind everyone what happened the last time Japan tried to invade the U.S.? <laughs> it's going to be a Pearl Harbor job. Oh, boy. Toots. Oh, boy. Toots. I think he, I think he, I think it looks like I'm, I'm, Kyle just sent me the tweet here. It looks like they may have edited it at Twitter because I think he tried to actually use the word Japs. It's a, it's a time thing, people. It's it's just a different time. Yeah. You know, he's he's tweeting from the forties here. Oh, come on, Toots. That's just mean. He said people need to stop hanging by ropes and start hanging by the rafters again. <laughs> come on, Toots. That's Oh Jesus. To, and, oh look. Toots number one follower, Trump. Go figure. All right. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> He's fantastic. It's that? the most fan the people are saying the Toots is the most fantastic tweeter. <laughs> All right, back to SummerSlam. The Did you uh real quick speaking, yeah. speaking of do you see that uh apparently Jerry Lawler is launching an investigation? <laughs> yeah. He, into Brian Christopher's death, he says that it doesn't. He, he says it doesn't mesh right. up. So I, I mean, I don't understand what they're getting. I don't know if they're trying to say police brutality or there was something happened with another inmate. I, I don't know. Like I said, I think you know. Again, not to go into something like this, but I think you know, if this helps him have closure, so be it. Because. I mean, he's dealing with something that I don't think any of us could ever fucking right. You're you're never supposed to you're never supposed to outlive your kid. No, it's the same thing with with uh, Crispin Wall's dad. Right. You know, you're looking for an answer of why this happened. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. But anyways, on to SummerSlam. SummerSlam, the kickoff match at SummerSlam so far has been announced to be Rusev and Lana in a mixed tag. Against Andrade Almas and Zelina Vega, you know I'm kind of I'm kind of glad that they're doing bringing back the mix matched I, challenge. Yeah, I mean it's it's it it, it takes. What do I want to say? It doesn't have the. I don't think it has the impact that it used to have, and it sounds sick and twisted in a 2018 conversation. But when they used to have mixed tags, say you got like Sherry Martell in there, back in the day, a little guy on girl physicality wasn't just frowned on. So you literally don't get it nowadays. Um, you know, you watch you watch some of the stuff that Hulk Hogan did to Sensational Sherry. 
And he was he was he was pretty much a woman beater. <laughs> you know? I mean back well, then back then you didn't look at it that way though. You know, she was just the heel bitch getting her comeuppance. But right. You know, nowadays you would never see Rusev give Zelina Vega an atomic drop or anything like that, you know. But I, I do I do like the feud. It's good for something for those two to do for Rusev and Andrade. And it, it's it's actually become it's actually a de- pretty decent rivalry between Lana and Zelina too. Well, and it kind of breaks something up for the pre show. It makes it, you know, like, oh, you know, here's a mixed tag match that you're not going to see anywhere else but here on the pre-show. So right. maybe, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I'm thinking probably Almas and Vega go over here. Firstly, to keep Vega and Lana's feud going, because I don't think it's over. Also, um... I, I, I see big things for Almas on SmackDown. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I actually think that he's kind of been... He, he kind of got screwed in a way because he came in, they brought him in in the Superstar shakeup, and then they turned, they turned Shinsuke Nakamura heel. I guess. Or, or they didn't... I don't want to put it. They had plans to bring him in, I should say, because I think this superstar shakeup happened after WrestleMania. But yeah, I know what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is, I think that some of the plans they had for Almas when they decided to bring him to SmackDown, and then they went and turned Shinsuke heel. Which, to me, I wonder if they turned Shinsuke. I was going to get into that later, but I wonder if they turned Shinsuke heel because he they had, they feel like he's not going to resign. Because I think his con- I think his contract's up in January or December or something. I think his con- I think his contract's up at the beginning of the year. And honestly, I mean, I wouldn't blame him for not resigning. I mean, what has he really done mm-hmm. in WWE? I mean, with New Japan, you know, albeit fucking toots fucking tweet on it, but with New Japan booking over here now, I mean, they need a big star. Mm-hmm. Not that they don't have big stars, but can you imagine if Shinsuke Nakamura went to fucking back to New Japan? Right. Yeah, I mean, it'd be huge. <laughs> I think you're right. I think they're going to... Uh, Almas is going to win, I because I don't think Rusev really needs it. As much as I like Rusev, I think that, you know, he's kind of just playing this part out right now, maybe mm-hmm. hopefully waiting for things till after SummerSlam. I don't know. I think that um I, I don't understand why they haven't struck with him cuz they need to strike while the iron's hot. Oh, and... but this is fucking WWE, Nate. They don't fucking strike while the iron's hot. They <laughs> yeah, wait no. till fucking 2 years the, after and the... then try to shove it down your throat. Well, no, what I was going to say is 2 years from now They'll try to push him, and then when it doesn't get over, they'll blame him. Yeah. <clears throat> Finn Balor. <laughs> anyway. So now we'll move on to yep. the pay-per-view matches. One of the most anticipated matches, I think, for a lot of fans is Daniel Bryan and The Miz. Which, that one is another one that I the timing is off. 
Like, well, not only is the timing off, Nate, but it's like it's going to get lost in SummerSlam. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because I see, I know what their intentions were. Their intentions were SummerSlam is our second biggest. It's pretty much an, the second WrestleMania of the year. It's the second biggest show of the year. Let's save this match for SummerSlam. However, if they were going to do that, they should not have had Daniel Bryan announce that he was able to return to the ring until late July. Because you went through, okay, you have this Daniel Bryan Miz thing, and everybody was understanding that it wasn't happening when Daniel wasn't allowed to wrestle. So then Daniel is allowed to wrestle... And you get Daniel Bryan mucked in in this feud with Big Cass instead of going right into The Miz. And and they should have went right into The Miz. And like you said, this is going to get lost to the shovel. If you would have put this on, I don't know, fucking payback, whatever, imagine, imagine the notoriety you bring to payback. And you could make this the main event. And then, you know, even then, you wouldn't necessarily have to end the feud, have the match at payback, and have something happen where you need to keep going, and you can eventually get to maybe like a stipulation match of some kind at SummerSlam. But I never, I didn't understand, I do not understand why they started out his return in that feud with Cass and didn't just go to The Miz, because like I said, now... It's, it seems goofy, and it seems like it, it... Not that it's... I think it's going to be a good match, but it just seems like it's lost steam. Well, if you look at the fucking card, it's, what, 13 matches? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Does it really need Daniel Bryan versus The Miz? No, it doesn't. And it, Daniel Bryan and The Miz is such a good story, you can tell, too, because if you think about it, Daniel Bryan's first rivalry coming into WWE was The Miz. They've always been... It's such a good long story. I mean, you're talking about eight years of history between these two. You know, when The Miz was Daniel Bryan's pro on NXT, and and Daniel Bryan replaced him in the in the twelve man tag at SummerSlam 2011, and they just they feuded over the U.S. title early in Daniel's run, and then they I think they they crossed paths later on too during the Yes movement, and now they're crossing paths. They they have a really good storied history and WWE never tells those stories anymore it's all about what happened last week on boring ass Monday Night Raw but it's not about the only story they fucking want to tell is Roman Reigns beating Brock Lesnar yeah but and that's the thing I look up and down this card what the fuck's Bobby Lashley Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean like I don't know I miss the days of fucking eight match pay per views. Yeah, yeah. Where you could actually take the time to because fu- the thing is that, well, then again, it's SummerSlam and it's like fucking WrestleMania. It's going to be eight hours, goddamn long. But <laughs> Daniel Bryan and the Miz ain't going to get the time, right, to tell the story that they need to tell. Mm-mm. No, and the finish will tell us a lot about whether Daniel's going to resign or not, too. Yep. I'm going with the Miz. I think if the Miz wins, Daniel's re-signing, and the reason I say that is because if the Miz wins, the feud keeps going. If the Miz loses, that that doesn't mean Daniel's not re. But I'm just saying, if the Miz wins, I know for sure Daniel Bryan's sticking around because 
that way they, they you know if the Miz wins they get to keep telling the story hopefully and you get you know you go into the next pay-per-view I don't know Unforgiven or whatever it is in September WWE strap match or whatever <laughs> cuz we'll just we'll just name the pay-per-view after the match type right so next on the card is a match that I unfortunately have no interest in myself. I think the feud's boring. Um, Baron Corbin and Finn Balor. I don't, I don't like the feud. I don't think they. I don't think they mesh together. I don't think they work well together. I'm just not interested in, in Constable Corbin. No, um, I'm not either. It's, it's it's stupid. It's boring. It's just boring. It's boring. It's the same fucking thing we've been watching for 20 years. Baron Corbin is a... Cent- I don't even remember what that guy's name was. Remember when Teddy Long... When Teddy Long was general manager of SmackDown? Yeah. And they had that guy that was the network representative or whatever yes. with him. What was that? Palmer Cannon. That yep. was his name, Palmer Cannon. That's essentially what this Baron Corbin thing reminds me of. Is uh, Palmer Cannon? It's just boring. Te- Nobody cares who the assistant to the general manager's secretary is. Like WWE thinks that we want to watch our wrestling like it's Walmart. Like there's regional managers and district managers, and uh, you know what I mean. It's like who fucking cares? It. It was one thing when it was the evil CEO Vince McMahon against Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, WWE, and I'm going to talk about this when I do my pay-per-view later, my pay-per-view review later, because if it works into my pay-per-view, they want us to, they think that we care about the authority figures, and we care about the minutia of their corporate structure or what i don't i don't care (laughs) if i want corporate structure i'll go to work i mean i don't know it's just it's silly it's just silly like i like the idea of having a general manager you know okay kurt angle is a general manager of raw okay page is an example page is what an authority figure in wrestling should be smackdown has it right every week Paige comes out, and she says, For this week's show, I have made these matches. Enjoy them. And she leaves. Yeah, they may have her show up in a, in a segment or two, you know, talking to a wrestler about a title match they want or something like that, and that's fine. But she's not, she's not an integral part of a storyline. The fact that she's the boss isn't shoved down our throats every five seconds. That's how an authority figure should be. It shouldn't be this Kurt Angle, Baron Corbin garbage. <laughs> no, and it's almost like they want Baron Corbin to be the the fucking... They almost want him to be the scapegoat for for Stephanie McMahon to be the one to get her his comeuppings, but it's like, it's not what people want to see. No, we've seen they, it. We've seen it over and over and over again. We don't need to see it anymore. It was fun 20 years ago when it was new, you know? I don't know. It's just... Yeah, so anyway, back to that match. I think um, I think Balor probably goes over because it's a rubber match. 
Yeah. Um, and then hopefully we move on to something different. Hopefully Baron Corbin goes away and Finn Balor can do something of substance. You have all this fucking talent. <laughs> all this fucking talent. God damn. So the next match is Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens, which these two actually entertain me together. I like the dynamic of Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens. I think Kevin Owens is a great chicken shit heel. And Braun Strowman as an over-the-top strong baby face works for me. And you can't... I mean, nobody in their right... Denying Braun Strowman is over would be like saying Roman Reigns is over. (laughs) You know, like, Braun Strowman is over like Rover. And he is a case of doing the good thing of striking while the iron's hot. And, oh, by the way, just a side note before we get to our predictions for the match. I saw a uh, meme online the other day. You and I have both worked in customer service. Yeah. And the the, the thing said, customer... I'd like to talk to your manager. And then it said, me, I'd like you to get these hands. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought that was funny. <laughs> Talking about Ron Strowman reminded me of it. But I guess the, the, the lowdown with this match is, depending on who wins, will give you a good indication of what's going to happen later in the night. Because if Kevin Owens wins money in the bank, I say Kevin Owens cashes in later on. In, in the night, if he somehow manages to get the brief briefcase from Strowman, um, well, but but still though, what happens if Reigns fucking wins, mm. and Strowman comes out and cashes in on fucking? I don't Roman think Reigns. I don't think Strowman is going to cash in at SummerSlam though. I don't. Well, th- I also didn't fucking believe that they were going to be stupid enough to fucking do fucking Roman Reigns versus. This is Brock true. This is true. In New York, but the. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you can't wait to talk about that in a few minutes. <laughs> but no, here's why I say that. Okay, Kevin Owens cashing in would be the heel logical heel thing for him to do. That's what heels do with the Money in the Bank. But the way Braun Strowman's character is now. I really do think, and especially the way uh, Vince likes to... Because if, if there's one thing you can say about Vince McMahon, he knows how to book a big man. I think that the way Vince... If Braun keeps money in the bank, I think Braun Strowman is that guy that walks out, puts the money in the bank briefcase down in the middle of the ring and says, I want my match later tonight for the title. I don't think he's... He's not the guy you do the surprise cash in with. You know right. what I mean? He wants to fight you. He wants you to legit come out and fight him. So I, I really, because, I, I mean, you know, they started out when he first won it. His big thing was, I'm going to use this to get me a match with Brock Lesnar. Right. Well, if fuck Kevin Owens cashes in for the first time, SummerSlam is going to go off with fucking people cheering. <laughs> Unless he just cashes in and gets beat by Roman Reigns. Yeah, that's true. God damn it. <laughs> don't. <laughs> So then we have Cedric... Oh, actually, by the way, I think um, Braun Strowman keeps his money in the bank in this match. I think so, too. Um, Cedric Alexander and Drew Drew Gulak for the Cruiserweight Championship. Um, 
I, I don't. I have to admit that I don't watch two hundred five live like I should. Um, there's just not enough time in the day. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, it's not. It's one of those shows. It always has the matches. The cruiserweights are great. The matches are good, but it it it, it almost the booking it's is oversaturated. Well, and the booking's very elementary. You well, know, I miss I miss the days of like WCW had it right where it was like, hey, you're gonna get one or two cruiserweight matches throughout the show, mm-hmm. and it's usually one's gonna be an opener, one's gonna be a cruiserweight title match, and it was perfect. It fucking worked because it you. When you see the same shit over and over and over again, right? I mean, that's why that's why it works so well because it's like, yeah, goddamn, you want to see Hogan by the end of the show, and you're like, all right, I saw Hogan do his fucking thing and his stick, and yeah, a little bit of everything for everyone, but just a little bit. Whereas nowadays, it's it's too much of everything. Yeah, it's again, it's oversaturation. Mm-hmm. It's Yep, 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 yep. Well, I think Cedric goes over in this match, retains the title. Yeah, I think, I think they're in the building phase of the cruiserweight championship still. Mm-hmm. So you know why, why play a hot potato? But then again, it's fucking WWE, so yeah. well, they probably and fucking will. So I think, whatever. I think, I think their goal originally was to build the cruiserweight division around Rich Swan. Um, yeah, but I, he kind of yeah, <laughs> kind of screwed that up. I think they're doing now with Cedric Alexander what they wanted to do with Rich Swan a year ago. Yeah. So um, apparently, you can't beat your wife and be a fucking champion. Not you could in the seventies, but not today. <laughs> you can't you can't beat your wife and be a star. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be a be a star, not a bully. Um, <laughs> the Bludgeon Brothers and the New Day for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. It's a toss-up for me. Yeah, I'm, because I'm, I'm the same. I could, I could see them giving it to New Day again, but at the same time, the Bludger Brothers have been doing good with it. Mm-hmm. I think that... They're a new team. I mean, not. I guess I shouldn't say new team. They're new repackaged. The The New Day is... And, and this is... Uh, all right, if I'm fantasy booking this, because to be perfectly honest with you, I think that you're... And, and it, it'll hurt. It'll hurt the Bludgeon Brothers, but I think the New Day is going to go over at SummerSlam, just because, and for no no reason other than just because, which hurts the Bludgeon Brothers because they're having a really good reign, and the gimmick's over, and they're again they're doing what Strowman's doing. They're over for the right reasons. They're over because they're over. They're not over because we're told that they're over. But anyway, another thing, if I was booking this. <clears throat> I have Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston as the representatives of the New Day, and they lose. And and this is a catalyst for something that needs to happen. And I, I want to preface, up. yes, not those two, though. Big E breaks off from them, and he goes heel, and they stay. they can stay together as the New Day. But I do commend WWE because... In today's wrestling, you don't have longevity. Like, you know, the four horsemen were together for two and a half, three, four years. 
the original Four Horsemen, and then you had more inter, 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 more iterations of the Horsemen, but even the original group was together for at least a few years. Nowadays, they put factions together, and they're broke up in six months, and et cetera, et cetera. The New Day, they've done a good job keeping those guys together. Right. And I think that now, with something like that, you can have such an impact with one of them turning heel. Well, but and that's the other thing, too, is that, okay, you have the New Day who, for all intents and purposes, are great. They have, you know, had longevity and everything else, but now fans are like, oh, it's time for them to break up. So is it really so much WWE that does it, or is it us fans that it's like the internet marks can't be fucking happy, no matter what? It's a combination. It's a combination. Because I, I guarantee you... With the Miz and Daniel Bryan, whoever wins, it's going to be bullshit that the other one isn't getting pushed. Right. (laughs) The next match on the card, Shinsuke Nakamura and Jeff Hardy for the United States Championship. Um, I think think this is going to be the same problem as Daniel Bryan. Orton so far hasn't been injected into the match, so I, I don't know. I mean, unless they put him in it as a triple threat, on SmackDown Tuesday. Right now, it's just these two, so I don't know if that means Orton just interferes somehow or probably, or but what have you. I, I think again the the issue that I have with this is the fact that it's like the Daniel Bryan Miz thing. It's not going to have enough time to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Those two are going to have a great match, but it's going to be rushed. Right. Right. They're. And, um, yeah, they they almost this this match almost should have just stayed off of of SummerSlam and been the main event of a SmackDown instead, or even one of their their, their second pay per views. Right, like you don't have to have the champion on every single show. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think they did it right with with Brock Lesnar to a point where you know. Okay, you're the champion. Okay, cool. You're going to defend the title at six big pay per views, right? Well, and the, with him, they almost they it was another thing. They 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 had a good thing and they ruined it because the idea, like you said, of him not being around as champion is something that that should be done in wrestling. It was, I mean, it was for years and years and years before we hit the Attitude Era, where the champion was Hulk Hogan wasn't on every show. No. Um, now with but with Brock they did it the wrong way. You they should have had even if he wasn't going to be around around. They should have been doing at times maybe some sit down interviews or something with Brock Lesnar. Just some kind of an appearance. Right. Other than your champion just being completely absent. Well, okay, so like I think the brilliant idea would be like, look, we're going to have the champion. He's going to be at Royal Rumble. He's going to be at WrestleMania. He's going to be at Money in the Bank. He's mm-hmm. going to be at, you know, Survivor Series, blah, blah, blah. The six big pay-per-views. Right. The other ones, it's like, look, okay, this is the time that Miz versus Daniel Bryan is going to be the main event. And mm-hmm. we're going to work up to that. Right. And Shinsuke, hell, you can Shinsuke even Nakamura like, okay, and Jeff Hardy. Yeah. The winner's going to be the fucking number one contender. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Great. Yeah. Cool. And it makes the fucking champion seem special. Mm-hmm. Makes, you know. Or you could even, if you're going to have a champion like that too, like a Brock Lesnar has been, that could be an opportunity for 
WWE to go into to forays like they they don't like you can incorporate some some foreign some international spice like for instance I mean how over are tournaments like G1 and stuff yep. like that you you know you could you could have two or three pay-per-views play out and have just a gigantic fucking tournament and crown well, a number one contender and and you know I mean just just there's so much you can do if you have an absentee champion well okay perfect example was when we went and saw raw back in 2011 mm-hmm. it was right after cm punk had returned and it was the whole double champion thing right and then throughout the show yeah you saw cm punk and you saw uh john cena but it was all talking about SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. like oh you know at SummerSlam, it's gonna be you know champion champion after the show went off the air they're like Let's do the match now. And yeah, we knew what it was. It's okay. There's going to be some bullshit ending. Right. But those fans in attendance, they still got to see a championship match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the same thing could be with, with your house shows and stuff. It's like, you want to see a championship match? Come to house shows. You're going to mm-hmm. see it. That's how, that's, that's how wrestling worked for years. You know? And, and I think, it, I think that could still work. I mean, just you know. because you're not the champion isn't on the show show per se. The fans and attendants are still getting to see it. Right. Right. Which makes, you know, like, oh, cool. You know, you want to see, you want to see fucking the champion come see it live because mm-hmm. that's when you're going to get to see, you know, your champion. That's when you're going to get to see your hero, Roman Reigns. Right. <laughs> and you know what? He's over in Des Moines, baby. Um the... Which, it would give them a chance to work shit out and not have to worry about, you know. Mhm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental title. Well, all right, so here we go. <clears throat> Dolph's taking it. You think he retains? Because yep. of uh, Dean Ambrose? Yep. I think Dean Ambrose is going to fucking turn heel on Seth Rollins. See, I think I think Dean Ambrose is going to turn heel on Seth Rollins, but I don't know if it's going to be this quick. Because, uh, hold on, hold on. Let me... Let me... I, let me put, I, let me put my... Okay. Let me put my analysis on hold until later on, and okay. I'll come back to this. But you're right. Okay. I do think Dolph Ziggler stays champion. My biggest problem with this match is that much like everything else in WWE, um, Ziggler and McIntyre are miscast in this because McIntyre should be the one carrying the title around, not Dolph Ziggler. This is true. But here, here's my the reason why, and again, I know. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead with what you oh, were going to say. Okay. I think the fact that they brought him back mm-hmm. this fucking early, like a week before SummerSlam, just seems fucking conspicuous to me. <laughs> like, if they weren't going to turn him heel, then just have him show up at SummerSlam, you know, right, or do help. a tag match yeah. or something. Don't, you know, him being on the outside, I see him turning his back on uh, Seth Rollins being like, I was out with an injury and you fucking didn't care. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be my brother. You're supposed to be my, you know. Right. Right. And I see that. I see what you're saying. Um, 
either way, it's going to be interesting. But either way, I think Dolph walks out champion still. Yep. Um, Which and he deserves it. No offense against Seth Rollins, but fucking, I think Dolph needs the fucking Intercontinental Championship now more than any anybody else because he's still fucking in that building phase. Mm-hmm. And it's it's I, it's crazy that we say that ten years into his WWE career, but you're right. I just have lost all hope in Dolph Ziggler, to be honest with you. And it's, I guess it's I, sad. Yeah, I I, I I mean I I I like the I like the pairing with McIntyre, but I'm a big McIntyre mark, so I'm gonna like anything he's in. But well, um, it's the fucking it's the Shawn Michaels Diesel mm-hmm. dynamic, and it works because they haven't done it to death. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So now we move on to it's uh, Carmella, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship, and this is this is to me one of the biggest crimes of the year. Okay, and the reason I say that is because this match is Carmella versus Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair for the women's title, when this match should be Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch versus Asuka for the women's title. This Carmella yep. garbage is stupid, and and Asuka should quit her job and go back to Japan. Because she has been, and I don't, I don't get like this a lot about WWE. A lot of times, I just go with the flow, and I'm like, you know what? It happens. The ebb and flow. You got a lot of main event talent in this company. It's hard to keep everybody on top, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the way that Oscar's been treated since WrestleMania is fucking criminal. Yep. She is one of the top talents in the world, male or female, today. And she's well, the not, fact she's is that not even on this. She's not even, she's not even on this card, and she's treated like a fucking afterthought. And Carmella's on the card because she's hot, essentially. That's pretty much it. And I it, mean, if I was gonna build a fucking wrestling company, I want fucking Oscar on mine. Not mm-hmm. only is she badass, not only is she legitimate, but she, goddamn, can she sell those fucking masks? <laughs> no shit. I mean, it's you got fucking your Ray, you brilliant. Got, you got your Rey Mysterio factor there. I mean, goddamn, you know. Yeah, I don't. Why would you? the the match The match in and of itself really just pisses me off, just because of that. And it's nothing against Becky, and it's nothing against Carmella either. Carmella serves a purpose, and I'm sure she's a nice girl. I don't like to. I don't. I don't like to get personal and take my my frustrations out on the wrestlers themselves. They're just doing she their job. A, she plays a good bitchy she, deal. And she does. And and she's just doing her job. And God bless her. You know, they're like, hey, Carmella, we're going to make you the champion. What's she supposed to say? No, I don't want to be champion. Yeah. And so it's not her fault. But I'm just saying the booking of the whole thing and the misuse of Asuka is, to me, criminal. It's criminal. It's it's as bad as the misuse of Shelton Benjamin 10 years ago. So Alexa Bliss and Ronda Rousey for the women's champion, the Raw Women's Championship. Ronda Rousey's got to go over here. Yeah, I I got mixed feelings about that. Mm. Mixed feelings I, I, about the fact that she should, or the mixed feelings about the fact that she will. Mixed feelings about the fact that she will. Oh, <laughs> because 
look, I understand it's Ronda Rousey. I understand that it's, you know, she's the biggest fucking name in in media right now. She's huge, blah, whatever. But just think about it. The fact that Alexa Bliss has came from where she was mm-hmm. to where she is now. Which is Imagine re- if she were to fucking beat Ronda Rousey clean in the middle of the fucking ring. It would honestly, it would fucking make her. <laughs> it would make her, and it probably it wouldn't hurt Ronda. No, because um, like you said, I mean that 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 okay, that credibility just credibility's credibility. You know what I mean? That that credibility is is uh, what do I want to use as an example? Um, Fandango beating Chris Jericho at WrestleMania twenty nine didn't hurt Chris Jericho at all. No, you know, but. And here's the thing. Again, Ronda Rousey is not... She hasn't been here. Right. The problem is that, you know, yes, right now the fans like Ronda Rousey. Right now the fans, you know, cheer for her. But I'm telling you right now, they're going to fucking turn on her. Yeah, they will. Because wrestling fans are assholes. Well, but it's also it's one of those things. Like, you have not fucking... uh, You haven't proved yourself yet. You haven't done it. Mm-hmm. I think that if it was me, now this is me again, if I was going to fucking book it, I would book uh, Alexa Bliss beating Ronda Rousey. Shows the fans, oh, Ronda Rousey's going to do fucking business. Yeah, I think who's that... To say, who's to say, you know, next month or the month after, she can't beat her. Right. I, I think that the... the... The problem, and I, and I don't mean to cut you off. No, the problem no, no, with heels today is okay. Hollywood Hogan, he would come out and he would talk shit, mm-hmm. but he would also have wins where he could talk shit. Right. He proved that he's legitimate. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can be a dastardly heel and everything else, but I think the problem is that he needs. She needs to have that where it's like I I am as bad as I tell you I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I I just I mean I see what you're saying, and I think it would be like you said. I think it would just make Alexa if she did win, but I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> no, no, because I, I I think I think to I think to be honest, the goal is because they have Evolution coming up in, up in October. Um. I wouldn't be surprised if sometime between now and Evolution, if Charlotte doesn't move to Raw, um, and they don't do Charlotte and Ronda Rousey at Evolution. Because, I mean, you're going to have to have a huge women's main event for that ma- for that pay-per-view. Right. Um, well, and I guess, like I said, I understand. I just hope it's not... Where fucking Ronda Rousey walks in and fucking right away fucking arm bars Alexa Bliss and taps her. Right. Because in my in my personal opinion, you know, I think she has been fucking amazing. She's come so far and she's proven herself time and time again, you know. But then again, it's fucking WWE, so they don't, you know. Right, right. <laughs> they don't care. They don't give no. a fuck. That she'll be... She'll be just another women's wrestler losing to Carmella in another couple of months. All right. 
And now what should be, I think, the best match of the night for the WWE Championship, it's AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. I am excited to see this match on a WWE stage. I never thought it would happen. It's, it's, it's kind of really, fuck cool, ain't it? It's really fucking cool that it's happening. And it's I, like I said, I think it's going to be the best match of the night. I have no doubt in my mind with the talent that's in that ring and the caliber of match that they need to have for a championship match. I think this match is going to be badass. And I think AJ retains. Really? I'm going to go with Joe. I think Joe's going to beat him. Do you know why I think AJ retains? And do you know why I think AJ's going to keep retaining his title for a while? Was it? Because I think they want AJ to have a longer reign than CM Punk. I can see that. I think they I want. Can... I think they want AJ's reign to beat CM Punk's reign, so that they can say that he has the longest title reign of the past whatever, however many years. That's why. Now, and I'm not taking anything away from AJ. You know, I'm an AJ Mark, and I he can be the champ as long as they wanted it. But I really do. I think he's. I think he's going to keep the title long enough to beat. Punk's record because they want to be done with CM Punk and apparently so does Colt Cabana <laughs> yeah I saw that shit oh holy shit he fucking <laughs> alright last match and this match makes me go back to a couple of things we talked about earlier and it is of course we keep having this conversation every six months Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. I just want like, Roman Reigns to beat him. Mm-hmm. So that way it's fucking over. I don't. I, I do too. I do too. I agree with you. I just want it to be over with. And I think that Roman wins. And I think that... Um, I think Braun Strowman keeps money in the bank. And I don't think Braun Strowman cashes in at SummerSlam. If Kevin Owens wins Money in the Bank, and and mark my words, ladies and germs, Roman Reigns is going to beat Brock Lesnar. If Kevin Owens wins Money in the Bank at the pay-per-view, he's going to cash in on Roman Reigns, and he's going to lose to Roman Reigns. And Roman Reigns is going to win two times in one night. If if Kevin Owens wins Money in the Bank, that's what's going to happen. Next. We go back to Dean Ambrose, and the reason that I said I don't think Dean turns on Seth at SummerSlam is I think they are going to reunite the Shield for two reasons. First, whenever the Shield is together, Roman gets cheered. So you're giving Roman the title. You're finally giving it to him. What do you want people's reaction to him to be? You want it to be positive. So you hook him up with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins and you do the shield and it's over and everybody's happy. And people and you know, in Vince's mind, people are cheering Roman Reigns, pal. Even though they're cheering the shield because people like Roman Reigns when he's in the shield. Now now we come to Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose pulls Seth Rollins from a few years ago maybe around Survivor Series or so, and then you get a Roman Reigns-Dean Ambrose program. That's what I think. That's why I said I don't think he's turning heel Sunday, because I think that's what they're doing. I think they're using the shield to 
pardon the pun, but to shield Roman Reigns with crowd reaction, and then they're going to turn Dean on on Roman and, and Seth. Do you think that holds water? I mean, does that make sense? No, it does. It's going to be interesting to see. But that was just, I... that was just the feeling I'm getting. You know, like I think that they want it. They know that when the Shield is a unit, Roman is a babyface. People like him when he's in the Shield. You know, they like that group. Right. So I don't know. Just going out on a going out on a limb there, but that it is. There it is in a bow in a pretty little bow. SummerSlam 2018. And you know, it's funny because we spent an hour talking about this pay-per-view. And to be honest, and, and this shows you the state of the WWE today. You look up and down that card from top to bottom, it's actually a really good wrestling card. Oh, yeah. But because of the way that they write their shows, we actually spent most of the time, we spent an hour pointing out all the things that are wrong with the product. <laughs> and... It's um, it, I keep telling Aaron this. This is the most amazing era in wrestling to me because you have the best wrestling with the worst booking. It's insane. It's insane. If you had good booking with these people, you, this would be bigger than the Attitude Era. These guys are yeah. all. These guys are all. These guys and girls are all so good at what they do and with the safety measures that are taken like i said before they have they're less injury prone they're going to have longer more productive careers but the people that are writing i mean you can be the best actor in the world but a shitty movie is a shitty movie a shitty script is a shitty script and yeah it's just crazy to me that you have you have you have monday night raws you have Monday Night Raws that have like tag matches with Seth Rollins and Finn Balor against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and people write, "This is one of the worst Raws I've ever seen." And it's like, God yeah. damn it! I don't understand. I don't understand. It's insane. <laughs> well, you know, maybe we need to fucking do something here for in hindsight, because maybe we need to fucking take people back. To some horrible goddamn times. All right. Some horrible fucking pay-per-views. That way you can see. Yes. It's pay-per-view review time here on the We Can't Jesus. Wrestle podcast. We will take a short break. And when we return. Now, oh, go ahead. I was going to say real quick. On mine, I did a little bit of fucking research for the before and after. Okay. Of okay. this because, yeah, some shit goes down. <laughs> Well, all right. Let's see here. We got you got you got Great American Bash two thousand two thousand. Oh no, buddy! Oh, oh I'm buddy. ready to rip into this fucking thing. I got Payback twenty fifteen. Now, um, that being said. I will let you decide who goes first. Mine's not going to take a lot of time. This was actually a really, like... I'll get into why the review is short when I do the review. It's not, like, super short, but... I mean, I have some notes and stuff, but... Um, how about you go first? All right. And then... Um, I will go second, and we will go from there. 
All right, we'll come back in just a minute with our pay-per-view reviews and a great, I'm sure, review of WCW Great American Bash. Oh, I'm fucking hot. It's... <laughs> oh, buddy. 20... Or 20... 2000. Oh, you wait. Here we go. <laughs> and I will... I will... Uh, I will. We will take a break real quick. We'll be right back with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Wrestling fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate and Kyle here with you on a pay-per-view review edition of the show. And uh, this week we both got doozies for mm-hmm. different reasons. <laughs> I think you got more torture than what I did, but... Uh, <sighs> let's let's jump in the fucking time machine and go back to the year 2000 when fucking... <laughs> <laughs> When Destiny's Child was fucking top of the charts with Say My Name. <laughs> we were on our way to fucking George W. Bush. And the world was a little bit less fucking scary because 9-11 hadn't happened yet. <laughs> but holy fucking shit, was this a travesty. <laughs> it was the year of the frost times. It was the year of the frosted dips and the backward visor. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Uh, so, all right. So we were coming live from the Baltimore Arena in Maryland with a fucking crowd of 7,000. 7,000. Now, the year prior, they had 11,672 in the same arena. So here's the progression of WCW at this point. Yep. <laughs> bro, right, bro. So- Crash TV, bro. Oh, fucking let me tell you something. This was some Crash fucking TV. (laughs) Never have I watched a fucking pay-per-view that made me hate myself. Mm. All right. So the big thing is tonight that Goldberg is apparently supposed to not be here. He's been barred from the arena, and he better not show up. Don't you show up, Goldberg. Now, I will say, they have some moments in here that is kind of cool. Like, they show, there's like, uh, there's, uh, I'll get to it in a little bit, because there's an ambulance match that happens, and as they're filming that, you see Goldberg's monster truck in the background. Okay. Almost like it it wasn't staged. It was, you know what I'm saying, like it was... Hey, we're following the crowd out here, and holy shit, there's Goldberg, you know. Right, right. Like, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. 
needless to say that Stone Cold had a monster truck, but okay. <laughs> Alright, so do you remember... <laughs> the fuck was that? I don't know. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> it was... <All> right. it was <laughs> I'll tell you later. So, Alright, so... Do you remember the fucking days and times when we'd have an opening match and it was a cruiserweight championship match? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So tonight we have Lieutenant Loco, which is Chavo Guerrero, mm-hmm. with the Misfits in action versus Disco. D-I-S-Q-O? Yeah. Like Cisco Thong Song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that fun? Isn't that isn't that great? It's fantastic. Oh, it's fucking wonderful. Uh, how long do you usually think that a cruiserweight match, an opening match, would go? Oh, I'm saying I don't know, fifteen to twenty minutes at least. Not even five minutes, <laughs> bro. Not even five. As a matter of fact, besides the main event, which was seventeen minutes, mm-hmm. the longest match was thirteen minutes. <clears throat> by the way folks for those of you that don't know we talk about nowadays how wwe has 14 or 15 matches on a pay-per-view and it's like seven hours long vince Rousseau would have 20 matches on a on a two and a half hour pay-per-view <laughs> jesus christ so we have a cruiserweight match oh lieutenant loco wins mm-hmm. but pops which i don't remember pops I don't know who the fuck this guy is. Apparently, it's Caption Wretched's fucking grandpa. <laughs> yes, yes. Takes he... a fucking nasty spill. <laughs> they think he's dead. <laughs> he needs to get. Wait, is this what he needs to get mouth to mouth for major yes. guns? <laughs> this is not the first time tonight <laughs> that you will think that someone is fucking dead. Uh... Okay, they play it up like he's fucking dead. <laughs> Okay, this is Vince Russo. This is after fucking Owen Hart tragically fell. And they are playing up that Pops is dead like they fucking did with Owen Hart. Right. It's fucking horrible. And then he gets mouth-to-mouth. And scumbag of the fucking world. Scumbag of the fucking world. <laughs> Mark Madden says... Pick a, pick a, how's he say it? Pick a, pick an end, sweetie. It'll work the same. Jesus. Yeah. Holy Moses. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so next we have Chronic versus the Mamelukes. Oh, this sounds fantastic. Now, it's a tag team match. He would believe that on a pay-per-view you'd have a, for the tag team titles, right? Yeah. No, no. fuck no. <laughs> this is to determine the number one contenders for the tag team championships. Oh, yeah, for the next night on Nitro, probably. Yeah. Oh, we'll get into next night on Nitro. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know, my, wins. you know what my big problem with Chronic always was? What's that? Well, I guess it wasn't a problem, just an observation. Um, I was never a big fan of... of uh, Brian Clark slash Wrath slash Adam Bomb, whatever. He was always pretty, I don't know. 
It wasn't awful, but he never did anything for me. Brian Adams at one time was one of the best big men in the business. Yeah. When he was crushed, and then, you know, he he was really good. But he was one of those guys that you could tell that the the atmosphere of WCW made it where he was like, ah, fuck it, I'm going to get my check. And he did not care to work like the Brian Adams of old at this time. No. There's a lot of people not fucking trying anything. <laughs> <sighs> so Chronic wins, whatever, fuck, who cares. So now we go to Mike Awesome versus Diamond Dallas Page. Mm-hmm. In an ambulance match. That sounds pretty bad. Now, now it, it, you would think you would think that in a fucking match like or in a pay per view like this that you maybe have one, two, at tops fucking specialty matches. Mm-hmm. Oh no 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 <laughs> no no! Goddamn, we got six. Oh man, six. Bro, so, okay. bro, this is money. This is right after Slamboree, where again they Mike Awesome threw Chris Canyon off of a goddamn the top of the three tier cage. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, I don't know. A lot of people won't remember it anyways. <laughs> so Chris Canyon is in a fucking wheelchair, all hurt. Again, another time that they fucking played it up that somebody was fucking hurt severely. Or actually, when 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 they threw him off the cage, same deal as Pops, they played it up like he was dead. Oh, I would remember, you like to know I remember Shiv- I remember Shiv- was in? I remember Shivani said, did we just kill this man? Yeah. Do you know what Arena Slamboree 2000 was in? It was in the same arena Owen Hart died in. Yep, the Kemper Arena. Yeah, because... Uh, uh, Vince Russo has no fucking class. No. So, basically, they fight up, and then Chris Canyon basically fucking comes up out of the wheelchair. What a surprise, because it's a swerve, bro. Mm-hmm. Turns on Diamond Dallas Page. Mike Awesome wins. Great. <sighs> so, okay. the, lo- the logic of this, and here here's the thing. I remember having a problem with this back then. The logic of this, because I don't know that they ever even explain it. So, this big... Okay, I'm Chris Canyon. And even even if even if my intention before the accident, or the before the match with Mike Awesome happens, or the triple cage thing, or whatever, before this happens, even if my intention was to turn on my friend Diamond Dallas Page... This guy just probably not even a month ago, maybe the pay-per-views were three weeks to a month apart. This guy, this Mike Awesome guy, just took me and threw me. He he maliciously threw me off of this three-tiered cage into a wooden ramp and tried to end not only my career but my life. But you know what? I want to turn on Diamond Dallas Page, so I'm going to forgive all that and have this Mike Awesome guy as my friend now. It doesn't make any fucking sense. No. And here's the thing about it. I don't I it's hard for me to pinpoint a moment when fucking WCW took the fucking shot that would kill them. But this is fucking it. And I'll explain that in a little bit. Of why this is when it fucking ended. 
This was it. This was the final nail in the coffin. This fucking show. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, next we have G.I. Bro, which is... Booker T. Yeah. Which he'll be Booker T next next month at Bash of the Beach. We'll get to that in a second. Versus Sean Stasiak in a boot camp match. Mm. For whatever fucking reason. <laughs> Can't even. Okay. G- Booker T comes out on a goddamn fucking... Oh, boy. Mm. <laughs> he comes out on this fucking grappling hook thing. And it's fucking ridiculous because he can't hardly make it to the ring. He's got to <laughs> fucking throw his fucking legs up to try to fucking get to the ring. And it's like, why? Why did you do this to Booker T? That's the point. Exactly. <laughs> hey, you watch so much of this Vince Russo WCW stuff and you're just like, what is the point? Where is this going? It just, and, and they have a decent match. I'm sure it's they Booker did. T and Sean Stasiak. Yeah. I mean, they have a decent match. Booker's one of those guys that can have a decent match with almost anybody. Booker got a good match out of the boogeyman. You know, I mean, Booker was a good wrestler. And Sean Stasiak, to his credit, wasn't that bad in 2000. I mean, you know, he was definitely new. Mm-hmm. And my God, if they could have only had a fucking chance to have Sean Stasiak work with a veteran like Booker T in a fucking regular match. Right. Oh, my God. No, let's do a boot camp match because that'll be fun. <laughs> so fucking Booker T wins that. Yay, Booker T. So now we go to the fucking shitstorm. It's fucking Shane Douglas versus the wall in a tables match. <sighs> Oh no! Oh no! No, no. it gets the, better. It's the Fran- it's the French fries, Shane Douglas, as I like to call him, the ever expanding Shane Douglas. Um, and the Wall, who I never thought was very good. No, so Shane Douglas comes out and says he's not interested in just one table, but let's have a best of five tables. What the fuck? <laughs> I shit you not. See, I shit you not. He says the best of five tables. And then the commentators spend the next fucking five minutes trying to figure out what the fuck that means. Does that mean nine tables that they got to go through? <laughs> your commentating team, your commentating team doesn't even know what the fuck mm. is going on on your pay-per-view. So we have a best of five fucking table match. Of course, the wall puts Shane Douglas through two, so he needs one more. Shane Douglas brings the wall all the way over to the fucking entrance stage, and oh my god, he's got three tables stacked up. Mm. And he forces the wall to climb up the ladder, which I don't understand if you're the wall, why the fuck you're going up on a ladder when there's three tables behind you. <laughs> and he gets knocked out down through the tables, and Shane Douglas is apparently a mastermind. I okay. <laughs> hot, hot garbage. Oh my god, it's so fucking bad. So then we have Scott Steiner 
who in 2000 was one of their biggest fucking stars. Absolutely. He's going to fight Rick Steiner mm. and Tank Abbott in a handicap asylum match. Would you like to know what an asylum match is? I would love for you to explain to me what an okay. asylum match is. WWE ring is what? 20 by 20? Yeah. WCW's ring, I think, was 18 by 18. Yeah, it was a little smaller. Okay. They bring a circular cage down around the ring ropes. It's not over the ring ropes. It's in between the ring ropes. <laughs> and these three men are just trying to have a fucking match. Inside this fucking monstrosity. Oh, my God. It looks like a goddamn fucking kennel for a dog. Oh, my God. How many times do you think somebody in the WCW prop department or ever, whatever, when Vince Rousseau was in charge, is like, he wants us to build what? <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. It didn't last, like, four minutes. It's... <sighs> okay. Let's move on from that. So... All right. Tonight we have two matches that if the if they lose they have to retire. So Hollywood Hogan has to fight Billy Kidman. Yes. And if he loses, he has to retire. Hulk Hogan and Billy Kidman side note because I don't I really don't know if we'll ever talk about this again. Hulk Hogan and Billy Kidman is one of my least favorite feuds in the history of professional wrestling, and here's why. It has nothing to do with Hulk Hogan, and it has nothing to do with Billy Kidman, because they're both, I mean, Hulk Hogan, I mean, denying Hulk Hogan's talent, then you might as well just never watch wrestling. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, oh yeah. And Billy Kidman, super talented guy, he was always a great wrestler, entertained the shit out of me. But, but, there is, realistically, if you look at Hulk Hogan and Billy Kidman in a ring together, there is no way... There is no way Billy Kidman lasts more than five minutes with Hulk Hogan without Hulk Hogan decimating him. And that is not an insult to Billy Kidman. They should never have been in a ring together, especially with Billy Kidman being competitive against Hulk Hogan. No. At that level. Have, have them in a tag match together. That's fine. Have them be a team. Mm -hmm. That'd be fun. That'd be great. But, I mean, realistically, you put those two in the ring together and anything, any major offense Billy Kidman gets is, it, you talk about you talk about getting rid of the illusion of professional wrestling, it's garbage. Like, it's just, it, and again, that's not an insult to Billy Kidman, it's just, there's, there's no way Billy Kidman does to Hulk Hogan what they had Billy Kidman do to Hulk Hogan. Right. Well, the special guest referee is Horace Hogan. Mm-hmm. Swerve, bro. <laughs> well, well, Horace Hogan fucking helps Hollywood Hogan. So, Hogan's still in, and he gets a world title match next month at Bash at the Beach. We will get to that in a minute, because... Bash at the Beach. Oh, boy. And I don't want to go too in-depth on Bash at the Beach, because hopefully somebody will have the travesty of having that shitstorm. <laughs> but... I, I need to bring it up, but anyway, so. All right. So next, we have Ric Flair versus David Flair with Vince Russo. Mm. And if Ric Flair loses, he has to retire. Mm. Okay. <laughs> mm. 
Okay, so Ric Flair wins. After the match, Ric Flair chops the shit out of Russo. And to Russo's credit, he fucking sells it like a million bucks. Right. And tells him that he's been shot for the last goddamn time. (laughs) And that tomorrow night, he'll fucking retire Ric Flair. More on that in a minute. (laughs) Film at 11. (laughs) So now we have Vampiro versus Sting. Vampiro, who... Um, two two observations of Vampiro. Mm-hmm. Number one, I hate Vampiro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that I think personally, this is my personal opinion. Few or feuds, f- gimmicks like Vampiro's gimmick annoy the shit out of me. Um, and I think he looks like garbage, and he 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 he, he wrestles like garbage. And believe me, that was just one observation. <laughs> that whole thing I just went on was only my first observation about Vampiro. Second observation. And when I say this, you're either going to laugh or you're going to have that perplexed look like a dog gets when they look at you <laughs> cockeyed. I think Vampiro's actually Baron Corbin's dad. <laughs> <laughs> they have the same body. like <laughs> They have the same charisma. I think Baron Corbin is actually Vampiro's son, but we'll we'll go into that on another day. All right. <laughs> God, where do I start with this one? Hated this feud. It's a human torch match. Oh God! Someone's gonna be lit on fire. Oh, stunt man. <laughs> so Sting says that he knows that Vampiro's fucking. Weakness is heights, so he puts the fucking torch at the top of the fucking Tron. They fight. Vampiro fucking puts gasoline on Sting. They get to the top. The lights go out because they make the switch. Mm-hmm. Vampiro fucking sets Sting on fire. Sting or the stuntman does like a fucking front flip down to the bottom. The entire time, Scott Hudson and all of them are calling Vampiro a sick son of a bitch, but yet they both agreed to the match. <laughs> Scott Hudson has the fucking line of the night. Oh my god, we just watched Steve Borden kill himself. <sighs> yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, a little follow-up on Sting. Sting decides that apparently Vince Russo thinks that Sting needs to be the Undertaker because he fucks with Vampiro from here on out. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> so now, after all this fucking shitstorm, we've been told all night by Eric Bischoff there's a big surprise that's going to change the face of pro wrestling forever. Every goddamn one of these pay-per-views, it's always the same thing. There's a huge surprise. Yes. And the huge surprise is not any of the 16 swerves you just saw. No, 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 no. And so I hope we got it at the very end of the show, right before the main event, the the surprise is called off because Goldberg's here, and I don't want Goldberg screwing this up. (laughs) Pretty much telegraphing what's going to come. Mm-hmm. So it's Jeff Jarrett versus Kevin Nash. 
Okay. Goldberg comes out. Looks like he's going to spear Jeff Jarrett. Boom, he spears Kevin Nash. Then embraces with Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo in the ring. This is why this is a problem. I'm all for a Goldberg heel turn. It could have been fucking interesting. Goldberg was fucking stale at this time. Again, it could be interesting, but here's the fucking problem, okay? All right, so next night on Raw, or Raw, Jesus Christ, Nitro. (laughs) The next night on Raw, we were all thoroughly entertained. Yes. (laughs) Next night on Nitro, Diamond Dallas Page quits, says that he's had enough, that he's lost his wife, his best friend, and leaves. Mm -hmm. Which lets Chris Canyon become positively Canyon. Okay. Ric Flair has a match with Vince Russo where Ric Flair's daughter, not Charlotte, the other one, throws a towel in. They shave Ric Flair's head. They shave Reed Flair's head. And Ric Flair retires. Would you like to know when we see Ric Flair again? Um... It's probably within a month. No, it's like six months later. Really? Or not, maybe not six months. Maybe it's like four months. I went and looked. Okay. It's like four months later when it's when Mike Sanders is there. And Ric Flair comes back as the fucking president of WCW. He doesn't get his revenge on Russo. Okay. Okay. I got you. Okay. So Ric Flair is gone. Next the month only at- the only reason I said within a month was because it was Vince Russo, so I figured it was like Ric Flair has to retire, and then like two weeks later he's back. <laughs> well, and see, so here's the problem, okay? <clears throat> so next month at Bash of the Beach, Hogan does the whole they do the whole angle where fucking Jeff Jarrett throws down the belt and Hogan leaves, right? Okay, so you had Goldberg turn heel. Sting's gone. Page is gone. Flair's gone. Hogan's gone. Yeah. Who the fuck is there for him to work with? Right, right. And, you know, that's what I was going to say. This is... I I agree with you, but for a different reason in the fact that this was when... This is the actual nail in the coffin for WCW. But but I, I I agree with you in a different way. Because I disagree with you on the Goldberg heel turn. Um, I don't think it ever should have happened. And I think that turning Goldberg heel ruined any chance they ever had of being, of staying in business. Because he, as a babyface, was the only way they were going to stay in business. And, 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 Turning Goldberg heel at that time was different than turning Hogan heel in 96 because Hogan had been the baby face for 10 years. Whereas Goldberg really, I mean, his career was what? I mean, he was maybe what, two years at this point? I mean, I know he debuted in 97, but as far as big name Bill Goldberg, we're not even two years into his run. Right. And we're already turning this guy heel. And... 
I'm just saying I think, from the standpoint I, that it's he was stale. Right. And I, there but there were things they could do to fix that. And this is true. Oh, and don't get me wrong, they end up turning him face. Would you like to know how they turn him face? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. It has to do with Russo. Mm-hmm. Because he has the whole feud with Russo with the Pope Mobile thing and all that hot garbage. But they I turn Goldberg back face because Goldberg refuses to follow the script. To follow the script, that's right. He that's is scripted what... to take a power bomb from Kevin Nash and walks out. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, work shoots don't work. Because you can't you can't in one respect tell me that Goldberg is turning face because he doesn't want to do the job. And then the next week, have me believe that Goldberg is beating up Vince Russo. It doesn't work that way. You're either fake or you're not fake. Work shoots are the worst kind of booking. I hate work. There's, and there is a difference. There is a difference between what you just described to Goldberg and CM Punk's pipe bomb. Because CM Punk's, Punk's pipe bomb... In no way, at any point, did he ever really, quote-unquote, break kayfabe. No. He stuck with... Everything was done inside the world of WWE. Yes, that and he never said... He never said something like, I've been told to go out here and lose to Triple H. He essentially said Triple H, I don't know if he, he didn't even, may not even mention Triple H, but I'm just saying this as an example. What he would have said is Triple H is using his political advantage to get title shots yep. or what have you. He would have never said, I'm, I'm going to, I was supposed to be written to lose to Triple H and that's bullshit. This right here is a perfect example. Anytime anybody wants to say that Vince Russo is a genius or he had anything whatsoever to do with the fucking Attitude Era, <laughs> go watch Great American Bash 2000 and come mm-hmm. back to me and fucking tell me that Vince Russo is a fucking genius. Mm. I would rather watch <laughs> goddamn AWA in the fucking final years right? than ever have to fucking watch this again. I mean, this... He's got a Baggio. As the Italians would say. Yeah. It's... Like I said, you, you pretty much have all of your top name talent leave, and you leave Booker T and Scott Steiner and Kevin Nash as your top talent, which, okay, fine. But the problem is that you just turned Goldberg. Well, and the... you have nobody for him to fight. Vince Russo, or Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff always defends it that they were going to make all those guys go away. And then they were going to all come back at once together. And and that's all well and good. But the problem with that is, if you're going to have all these guys go away for six months, before that happened, why didn't you build up three or four other baby faces to take their place in the meantime? That's the problem, is that you don't have... WCW is, was, and always will be the land that fucking Hulk Hogan built. The Macho Man built Sting mm-hmm. and Page and Flair. They never ever started to bring their own talent. Had they had they grown their own talent, you would have seen Eddie Guerrero in the top ta- in the top 
part of the show. Yeah. Benoit, Malenko, Jericho. Mm-hmm. But they always had to play second fiddle. Well, once they play second fiddle, you see them as second fiddle. Mm-hmm. And then you sit there and say, no, these are the stars. People are like, well, but the stars, the people I like, over on WWF. Yep. Well, that's one of the things I don't like about the way WWE does things now. They put they book guys in shitty stories and stuff, and then blame them for not getting over. Yeah, um, it's. I, I hated. I, I don't want to say hated. It showed me. The. It showed me how much Vince McMahon has lost touch, when he was on that Steve Austin show, and he he gave the whole speech about the brass ring. Yep. Because he can he can say that all he wants, but his show proves otherwise. Well, and and it's the same thing with WCW. Then you know they'll say, well, well, the talent, you know, the talent, the talent would have got over if the talent would have got over. No fuckhead, Eric, Chris Jericho was over. Um, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Perry Saturn, they walked out for a reason. It's because they were over, and you you booked them like dog shit and then they try that that thing at the end of benoit's run where the oh well now we'll give you the title if you want it well i don't want it now yeah you, you well, you're only trying to give it to me so i won't leave guess what yes wcw in 97 98 and even 99 you came for the hogan versus flair hogan versus piper sting versus bacho man blah 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 but you stayed because of fucking the Malinkos and the Benoits and the Jerichos. Right. That lower tier is what made that show. Mm-hmm. There's no reason, no reason why Dean Malenko and Jericho and Benoit and all of them couldn't have been top tier guys at this time. Right. So many mistakes. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> so yeah, that, like I said, this is the, the key moment where I truly believe WCW's fate was sealed. Sealed, 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 fate delivered. The Great American Bash. Which, and how apropos, because fucking at one time, the Great American Bash was NWA's biggest thing. Yep, it was the Great American Bash and Starcade. That was essentially, for those of you younger fans that are listening that don't know, for WCW back in the day, Great American Bash and Starcade were pretty much WrestleMania and SummerSlam for them. Yep. Great American Bash was a tour that they used to do. Mm-hmm. they go around. And to see where we're at now, it just... Tough. <laughs> All right, well, we'll take a quick break now that that torture's over. And uh, then next I will go over my pay-per-view, which won't take as long. Uh, not because, I mean, it's not, uh, well, we'll get into it. I'll get into it. Yeah. All right. But we will be right back after this with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate and Kyle here with you on a pay-per-view review edition of the show. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, the We Can't Wrestle Facebook page. And actually, I have a wrestling collectible from my collection that I'm going to be giving away to, oh. a, to a listener of the show coming up. So stay tuned to the Facebook page for um, for in, more information on that. And that being said, <clears throat> it's my turn to review my pay-per-view that I got this week. We're talking May 27th in the year 2015, so not too long ago, a few years ago. Wasn't your pay-per-view also in Baltimore, Maryland? Yes, it was. Because ironically, so was mine. Oh, how about that? Baltimore, Maryland, attendance 10,000 at the Royal Farms Arena. In uh, uh, definitely a lot better than WCW <laughs> in Baltimore, Maryland, payback 2015. So we are, uh, we're a couple of months removed from WrestleMania 31, where Seth Rollins cashed in his money in the bank on uh, on Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. And Seth Rollins is a WWE champion, having a pretty good reign as champion. And to me, I mean, one of the better, one of the better title reigns of the modern era. Um, I'm not hating on it. We start the show off with Dolph Ziggler versus Sheamus. Okay. And this is um, this is Dolph Ziggler in the babyface role. Um, guy who switched babyface and heel more than Lex Luger, but they have a decent match, and that's that's what I was going to say. One of the trends of this show is to be perfectly honest. Much like I was talking about what where the product's at right now, none of the ma- none of the ma- well, there's one, and it's not even that bad. But none of the matches on this show are bad. The matches themselves. Um, there, there's one that's not great, and there's one where the two guys just didn't mesh. But overall, the matches on the show are good. But anyway, uh, Ziggler, Ziggler gets busted open in this match, so it has to be stopped so a referee with gloves can inspect him or whatever. And, of course, the fans don't like that. Which, you know, I understand. You don't, they don't want people, you know, gigging themselves and everything else. I can respect that. Mm-hmm. But... God damn, if it's, you know, a accident or something, fucking let it go. Let it go. Let it go. And it, it I mean it, it 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 takes from it takes from the match, it takes from what the performers are trying to do. And they're pro wrestlers, they don't care if they're bleeding. You know? No. And you've obviously tested these guys. Nobody has hepatitis. This isn't Abdul the Butcher um bleeding on somebody and giving them his hep C or whatever. It's 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 a fairly sterile. I mean, WWE is anything. If anything, they are sterile as fuck nowadays. So that kind of took away from the match. But these two guys have a decent match, um, which the 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 end comes kind of. I don't know if they they rushed the end because of Dolph bleeding or what, but the end kind of comes out of nowhere. Sheamus beats Sigler to win the match with a broke kick, and that might be what it is. It's just you know it. Was you know like you said, like oh crap he's hurt so, mm-hmm. not even hurt just bleeding bleeding I mean, it just yeah. drives me nuts. But anyway, um, 
Now we go to the back in our standard, what we know for 10 years now, WWE office setting. You know, where, it's amazing how that goes, isn't it? Yeah. That every single fucking office looks the same, and everybody just happens to be facing the camera and standing in those those predisposition positions. You know, you go back to like the Attitude Era, McMahon, Austin. You know, it always looked like it always looked like the cameraman was in the way. Yep. The way everything was set up, it looked, you know, it, it looked it looked natural. Everybody's position was natural. Some you might see this back of somebody's head sometime or something like that. It looked like the cameraman was intruding on the action. Now it looks like the action is staged for the cameraman. But anyway, we have our WWE director of operations, the new mayor of Knox mm. Knoxville, Tennessee, by the way, Kane, doing the corporate Kane gimmick. And tonight, our main event is going to be a fatal four-way for the WWE Championship with Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, and Randy Orton. Now, real quick, how how did you feel about the corporate Kane gimmick or whatever? I I didn't like it, but I didn't like it not because of Kane, but I didn't like it because of what I was talking about earlier. I hate the whole, like... WWE thinking we give a shit about the corporate structure of WWE. Right. Like, you know, Kane's like, you know, Kane's like the, the, the Walmart district manager, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> uh, you know, I and, like the fact that like they gave him a little bit more depth where right. he's like, you know, the monster is a tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, don't know. I of, just, of course, like everything, they, yeah. <laughs> well, the stipulation of this match was that if if Seth, uh, Kane and Seth Rollins don't like each other, but if Seth Rollins loses the title tonight, Kane is let go from his position as director of operations. Okay. So Seth comes in and he's egging Kane. You know, he's he's gigging Kane. You know, like if if I lose tonight, you get better make sure I win tonight. If I lose tonight, then you're 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 out of a job, et cetera, et cetera. So Kane hits him with, well, to be perfectly honest, I really like this job, but I don't need it. Um, which of course now Seth Rollins dramatically leaves the room, wondering what's Kane gonna do. So now we have a a world or a unified or whatever they were at the time tag team title match coming up with a new day versus what could have been s- <sighs> and, and and get don't get me wrong folks i think that the bar is a great tag team but cesaro and tyson kid were a fantastic tag team oh they were so fucking good yes, weren't they if tyson kid would not have gotten injured uh, that team was capable of of conquering the tag team world um, the only thing I didn't get about that, I, I guess the only thing I didn't get about that team was I never understood Tyson's kid, little Tyson kid's little headphones thing. I didn't really get that, but, um, it's what the cool kids are doing, <laughs> but we have the new day versus Tyson kid and Cesaro in a two out of three falls match. Wow. That's fucking weird to hear you say <laughs> the match. Like, is... it, it's hard to believe that they fucking were around yeah. then. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, they uh, 
the match is really good. They get the tall, the falls tied up one to one. And, uh, after running some, uh, some distraction from, um, Kofi, Xavier Woods, Woods gets a, um, inside cradle on Cesaro out of nowhere. And, uh, this, the new day retain the titles. Good match. Um, once again, the match was good. The story wasn't there, though, you know? I mean, the fans popped for the big spots, but you could tell they weren't terribly into it, and that's that's the booker's fault. That's the writer's fault for not giving a good story. So now we go back, and uh, it, it's funny because I almost, at times, it sounds crazy because he's, he's only been gone for a couple of years, and maybe this just means he wasn't very good. I don't know. I, I'm not trying to dog the guy or whatever, but... You know, sometimes I almost forget that Ryback ever existed. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I was never a big Ryback fan. Yeah. I just never, there's just, he seemed, you know what? He honestly seemed like, he seemed like the uh, Roman Reigns push before Roman Reigns. Right. Right. Like, you're going to get Ryback. Yeah. You get Ryback. Um. This is the match I said on the show that is... Well, we have an interview with Ryback talking about his opponent for the night, Bray Wyatt. Um, they they were having they were having a, a feud um, that just didn't kind of work. I remember they show they don't really show any videos or anything of the of the um, the build up essentially, other than just. Bray Wyatt kind of taunting Rob Ryback and then attacking him. Um, but Ryback and Bray Wyatt have a match. And this is the match I said. Just they, It wasn't a bad match, but they didn't mesh in the ring. They did not at all work well together. Like, there's one time where Ryback tries to... Even just a, even just a sunset flip or something, and, and it's just kind of screwed up. And, you know, they're kind of tumbling around or whatever. Um well, and I hate to be mean, but I think a lot of that was fucking Ryback. Yeah, probably Ryback. Probably like wrestling a sack of potatoes. From everything I've read and heard, he wasn't the most graceful motherfucker. <laughs> no. Well, CM Punk, when CM Punk did that interview with Colt Cabana, he called him dangerous. Yeah. You know, he, he essentially said Vince McMahon wanted me to put this guy over who's fucking dangerous. Um, but the, the, the match has... Uh, Bray Wyatt exposing a turnbuckle. Um, And then they kind of go back and forth some more. Ryback collides with the turnbuckle. Um, And then uh, because of that, Wyatt is able to get a sister Abigail and win the match over Ryback. And uh, like I said, it was not a great... I mean, it wasn't wasn't, um, wasn't Great American Bash 2000 bad. (laughs) But it wasn't wasn't great either. <laughs> Our next match, which is funny because the this, the description on the WWE Network, I think we talked about it on this uh, on the last show when we were talking about what pay per views are going to review. the The description on the WWE Network actually describes this match as "never give up, never surrender" match. No. However. That's not what they call it here, so I'm wondering if somebody just put that in there in the description on the network. But it's actually an I Quit match between Cena 
and Rusev coming okay. off coming off of their um, their feud coming out of WrestleMania. Cena's doing the U.S. Open, um, which is actually one of my favorite times in Cena's career. Like I thought the USO the US title open was was a good deal for him. I it, it it kept him on the show, it kept him in the spotlight, which is where they wanted him and needed him to be, but it kept him out of the top of the card. And he went out there and had really good matches with young wrestlers, which is what a veteran's supposed to do. And uh they have their I Quit match. It's actually a decent match. It's not great. It's not great. I mean, my favorite Cena I Quit match is the um, the one with, with Umaga at Royal Rumble 07. Yeah. Fantastic match. Um, he had a couple of good I... Or he had at least one good I Quit match that I remember with, with JBL, too. But this one... Um, Rusev... The finish is kind of cool because... Cena winds up getting and and Rusev definitely gets heat and he does not lose like a bitch. I think this match is what I, I thought I wrote down the like twenty five minutes, so it's a really good match back and forth. Cena winds up getting Rusev in a STF, and the cool thing about the finish is Rusev's trying to quit. But he can't because he's yelling, I quit in Bulgarian. Really? So the referee is not ringing the bell. So Lana winds up quitting for Rusev. Which I think they actually, after this, is when they started doing the stupid fucking shit with Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Uh, where they broke up Lana and Rusev, which is... I don't know why you'd ever even do that. Like, I don't understand why they ever did that. Like, those two are those two are like Savage and Liz. You know, they're a package. Um, so, a decent match. You got um, the next match. It was the Bella Twins mm. against Naomi and Tamina. Um, the match isn't good. <laughs> and... Uh, Naomi and Tamina win when Naomi um, gets a rear view on Nikki. That's all I'm going to say about it. It wasn't a good match. Okay. Um, but the Bellas, the Bellas, the Bellas, as 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 charismatic as they are and as pretty as they are, were never great wrestlers. But you know what? They weren't paid to be great wrestlers. No, and it's amazing to to see that like even is. Fucking latest 2015, like the women's revolution still hadn't. Yeah, hadn't uh, hadn't started yet. So the next match of the show is one of my favorites. One of my what I say is one of to me a guy that WWE failed. He didn't fail them, and that's Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett is badass and a great performer. WWE failed him. They failed him in two respects. They failed him in the fact that. They did not, they, they, they were gun shy and they never went all the way with the Nexus. And I mean, the Nexus thing always bothered me because you had these guys that came in and did this invasion and they had, the invasion wasn't even what, maybe, maybe two months old at SummerSlam and they lost. And it was just like, well, this is, 
that's another thing WWE does sometimes nowadays is they'll they'll get you they'll get you excited about an angle or something and then they just completely fuck it up. Um so King King Barrett, this is when uh Wade Barrett was King of the Ring. He's King Barrett and he's facing Neville. Um Neville's getting the advantage on Barrett and uh, I think we're looking at probably not even six or seven minutes this match is. But Neville's getting an advantage on Barrett. Barrett does some cool heel shit where he gets intentionally counted out because he don't want to lose to Neville. So then he winds up back in the ring with Neville, and Neville gets to hit a red arrow on him anyway. Um, the match really, it could have been good, but it was only like five or, like I said, between probably maybe five, seven minutes long and never got really to build. So, meh. Eh. Eh. So now we're on to our main event. Seth Rollins as the champion. Fatal four-way against Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, and Randy Orton. Okay. Um, the match is decent. They actually do like a mini like shield reunion where um, Rollins, Reigns, and Ambrose do a... Uh, Triple power bomb on Orton through the broadcast table. Oh yeah, isn't this the one we're fucking? Yes. Mm-hmm. We're fucking uh, like Seth Rollins like puts his fist out like yeah we're back. Yes. Yeah, and then they pretty much beat the shit out of him. Yeah, and it gets a huge pop from the crowd. Um, the. And this is also when uh, Rollins had Jamie Noble and Joey Mercury as his little stooges. Oh, yeah. So they both come out, and they both eat RKO's. <laughs> um, Who do you think took better beatings? <laughs> Fucking the Singh Brothers or the J&J Security or Ooh, whatever? Um, wow. Because that one sing, brother, goddamn. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he fucking ate it. I think he's still out. <laughs> um, so good sell job for him because he legit got injured. Yeah. Um, probably, probably Joey and Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. They, so... Essentially, what happens, and I didn't, I didn't do take really good, 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 good notes. I was actually into the match, to be perfectly honest with you. But uh, Ambrose and Reigns, through things they do to each other, kind of become non-factors. They've kind of knocked themselves each other out. Um, Orton hits the RKO's on Noble and Mercury. Um, he is going to get a spike DDT on Seth Rollins. Um, and then Kane finally reveals his colors and he interferes on R Rollins behalf. Um, and Randy gives him an RKO, but while Randy's distracted by Kane, Rollins recovers and gets a pedigree to pin Orton to retain the title. Good match. Actually, match-wise, a really good pay-per-view. I was pleasantly surprised by this pay-per-view. Well, like that's if, good. If this, if this was a wrestling show that I went to, like took my kids to or whatever, 
I would have been happy with the money I spent to plunk down to go watch these guys perform. It was actually a really good show. Payback 2015. I give the uh, I give the show probably about three three and a half stars. It wasn't too bad. That's good. I'm glad that you had a wonderful time. And you had a terrible experience. <laughs> oh my god! You know, honestly, <laughs> it was it was worth the fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw I saw multiple people kill themselves. <laughs> Vince Rousseau's Vince Rousseau's America. Jesus. You know, like I said, that's the thing about it is right there in a nutshell is the hell was that? That was uh, getting Tootsie queued up. Oh, I thought maybe we had like a, like a, I thought Russia was fucking hacking us. Dos Madonna, motherfuckers. I wasn't sure what the fuck was going on. But no, um, right there, folks, is a perfect example of horrible booking and somewhat eh, mediocre booking. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, Payback 2015 is a, is a, it's essentially a, a nutshell of what I was saying earlier about the way WWE is now. You take a show and you put it on your TV isolated by itself. 90% of the time, you're going to watch a good wrestling show. Right. You're going to have good matches with performers given 100%. You're going to watch a good wrestling show. It's actually, it's got, okay, I don't want to put this. Back in the Attitude Era, the the pay-per-views were cool, but it was actually cooler to watch Raw. It's reversed now. It's reversed now. I I look forward to the pay-per-views more than I do watching Raw. Raw is, Raw is, is, is a bore. And, and, I don't get interested in the stories. I don't get, you know, the, the commentary is, is very, it's more sports-like than wrestling-like, which I don't like. Um, the stories aren't great. But then I get to the pay-per-view, and every single time I look at the pay-per-view and I watch it, and I'm like, damn, that was a really good show. That was fun to watch. Uh, you know, you have your moments, like Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, where you're like, well, that's a fucking train wreck. But overall... You watch most of these these pay per views, and they're really good wrestling shows. But they're, you know, it's it's almost like they're just they can be their own isolated little show because the story doesn't fucking matter anymore. No, and that's the thing that there's no through story, and even when they try to have like a through story for everything, it doesn't. It just doesn't pan out because you're just like, yeah, okay, I guess. It falls like, like, yeah, it falls flat. Flatter than. The, I was trying to think of another Jim Cornette. Flat, flatter than a plate full of piss. Is that one of his things? Flatter than a pancake. I don't know. <laughs> Deader than Kelsey's nuts. No. All right. Well, we will put a wrap on this latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And we will be back again with you next week sometime. Let me uh, get Toots music going here. You ain't heard nothing. You want to hear Toots? There it is. <laughs> and Toots... I think next week we're going to just kind of have a free-form discussion. Yes, we are. We're just going to talk about... Well, we'll probably wind up talking about the results of SummerSlam. Um, I want to offer, uh, extend the offer to anybody that if you guys uh, want to, 
hit us up on the uh, Facebook page or email or whatever. Send us some questions. Yes. Let us know what you guys, you know, if you guys have any questions or anything you want us to talk about. By all means. Absolutely. Always happy to hear from the fans. I've actually thought about doing a uh, all fan question episode. Yeah. See how many we can get and Well, so, yeah. let's say let's say if we get enough next week, let's do that. So we'll answer some questions from you, the listeners of the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. And like I said, <clears throat> stay tuned to our Facebook page. Later this week I will post up that uh that little contest I'm gonna have for a wrestling collectible item. And, it is uh, it's actually Abdullah the Butcher's uh fucking wrestling shorts. <laughs> So that's that'll be fun. Stained in his hepatitis-filled blood. Plus a fucking gift certificate to his fucking fried chicken stand. Having those will make you patient zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, anything else for the listeners, Kyle, before we sign off? Nope. Rest in peace, Anvil. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, hey Anvil. Rest in peace, baby. Rest in peace, baby. <laughs> We'll see no next... man goes untested. <laughs> I will leave no man untested. Something like that. I might have to find those sound bites and play them at the end of the show. Yes. We'll see you next week, folks. Have a good one.